How can we as creative educators and entrepreneurs find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by and share our vision all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced. Hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle Podcast. I'm a teacher, mom to three toddlers, self-proclaimed French fry connoisseur, and a marketing and launch strategist to teachers. I'm answering all your burning questions about starting and growing an online business using your teacher genius. In these podcast meets magazine style episodes, I'll give you simple mindset shifts, business tips, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We're going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. The end of the year is the perfect time to reflect, reevaluate, and set goals. But before we go propelling ourselves into the new year with all the new ideas and new goals and new routines, we need to eliminate, cut things out. In this month's issue, we'll focus on what wasn't worth our time in the past year and say goodbye to the things that just didn't work. We can also cut out the things that worked out okay, but took way too much time for the effort. You started your business to make money. So if there's an action you're taking in your business that isn't generating money, it needs to be cut. When you cut down on your to-do list, you're giving yourself more time. You're giving yourself more time to focus on the tasks that actually do produce the results. It's like when you have a really messy closet, like a messy linen closet. We go looking for something in the closet and then it ends up taking us 10 times longer because we have to search through a bunch of junk to find what we really need. When we clear the clutter, our lives get easier. We can do things faster. We can do things more effectively. And this is so important because your time is valuable. You started this business to buy yourself more time with family and friends, more freedom to do what you want to do with your life. I'm willing to bet you didn't start your business to be stuck behind your laptop for 24 hours a day. So let's head into the new year with a real plan for cutting out the fluff and spending our time only on the things that actually move the needle. Get out your notebook for this one because this episode is going to be interactive with lots of notes to take. Let's start out with a quick reflection. We're going to kick this off with a journaling session. I'm going to ask you five questions You can pause and journal on these questions or just reflect for now and journal later, but I do highly encourage you to actually do some writing around these questions as we head into the new year. First, what did you create in 2021 that worked well to move you toward your goals? And what did you create in 2021 that didn't work well to get you toward your goals? What did you learn in 2021 that worked well to get you toward your goals? And what did you learn or attempt to learn in 2021 that did not move you toward your goals? What marketing tasks work well to move you toward your goals in 2021? And what marketing tasks did not work well to move you toward your goals in 2021? Be honest with yourself on that one. From here, take a look at your list of what did not work well Some of these items can be completely cut from your to-do list for next year to give you the space you need to focus on what does work. This will also help you make room for strategies or products you want to try in the new year. Give yourself permission to let go. 
In the next part of this episode, I am going to challenge you to clean out your shop, clean up your sales pages, and clean up your website. Each winter when I owned a brick and mortar store, we would clean out everything to get ready for the new year. We'd actually clean, like dust and clean the windows and everything, but we'd also make sure all of our displays look good and that everything we wanted to be featured was featured, that our checkout area was organized, and uh, we also made sure that all of our sales and promotions for the upcoming months were planned out. So your challenge is to clean out your shop, sales page, website in the same way. If you sell on Teachers Pay Teachers, this is pretty straightforward. You already probably have a long list of things that you need to do to clean out your TPT store. But if your TPT store doesn't feel like it needs a ton of cleaning out or if you don't sell on TPT, All of the ideas I'm about to share also could be applied to your services page on your website or your sales page if you have a course or a physical product. It could also be if you sell on Etsy, it could be your Etsy shop. Wherever you are selling your product or your service, that's what we're focusing on heading into 2022. I want to remind you that Marketplaces like TPT, Etsy, Shopify, and sales pages for your product or for your service are the first stop when it comes to marketing. A lot of times you're paying a fee to utilize a marketplace, but are you taking advantage of that service? Are people able to quickly and easily find your offerings on that marketplace? Are there multiple opportunities to increase your sales and convince the customer to come back for more that you're maybe missing? So here are four things I want you to pay attention to when you're doing this clean out. First, your copy and your messaging. Second, your funnels, so your upsells, downsells, add-ons. Third, your optimization for search. And fourth, your opportunities for creating repeat customers. Let's talk first about messaging. So you already created a really amazing product or service. It's ready to sell. And It's time to now do some writing to tell your people how awesome that product is. But oftentimes we try to get our product listed or, you know, in other words, sell it when we just finished creating it and we're already really exhausted by all the work it took to create that product. So we don't have any any energy left to talk about it, to write about it. So first things first, if you, as part of your process, if you are creating your product and creating your description or sales page in the same work session, you might want to think about separating those two workflows so that you have more time and space to really think about the writing that you're doing about your product and make sure you're giving it justice. And then with that thought in mind, think back on all the times that you did post your product for sale, but you didn't really have the energy to put into the writing that you did around that product, the description, or the sales page. Were there times where you kind of cut that short because you were so exhausted and just you were trying to get something out to the world? Now is time at the end of the year to go back and kind of clean those up and make sure that they're doing their job. When you write about a product or service, you're temp- you may be tempted to just put in, you know, here's what you'll get, especially if you're feeling rushed or you're doing this at the last minute or you've already exhausted all your energy. It's just like, here, here's what's in this. Here's what it comes with. But as buyers, when we make a purchase decision, and especially as this industry itself is getting really saturated, 
we're actually looking for a lot more than just what am I going to get? That is one part. What are the features? But there are so many other parts. So I have a can of seltzer on my desk. I drink way too much seltzer. And just looking at that, you see the list of ingredients, of course. You see the nutrition facts. That's what you're going to get. But you also see some lines of persuasion. When people land on your product description similarly or your services page on your website or the sales page for your course, they haven't already decided that, yes, they want to buy it. Usually, they still need some convincing. So yes, we want to include the features so that it's clear what they'll get when they buy, but also we want to help them make a decision about whether this is the right product or service for them. And we can do that by making sure that it is clear in our writing how our product will solve the problem that they have. You can start by just simply stating the problem, identifying their problem and empathizing with their problem, and then Talk about what it will be like to have that problem solved. Essentially, you're putting together a before and an after. For example, your writing about your product might sound like this. Teaching your students how to add and subtract fractions can be a total nightmare. Students look at you cross-eyed as you walk them through the many steps, and even the most simple anchor chart is hard to follow. Imagine if you had a way to teach this process in just a few simple steps that could easily be repeated in school and at home. Now, if you're writing a sales page for a course or your services page on your website, you're obviously going to want to stretch out that problem and solution quite a bit so that you can really empathize with your audience and help them feel heard. But you can hear the problem and solution formula in the example I just read you. It works even in short product descriptions. So take some time as we wrap up this year to go back through your descriptions. I know it's painful. Go back through your sales pages that you maybe didn't spend as much time on as you would have liked to and your services page and be sure you've added more than just the features of your product or service. Remember that your audience wants to feel seen and heard and they really need more information about how your solution is unique before they're ready to buy. So before you go putting a whole bunch of new goals and aspirations on your list for the new year, go back and make sure that these descriptions and this writing is really doing its job. Next step, we want to make sure our funnels are working. So a funnel is simply a path a customer takes. It's just like a fancy marketing word for a path a customer takes from the moment they discover you and your products to the moment they decide, yes, I do want to buy from this person. So we want to make sure that path is really clear, that they're not coming up to a bunch of forks in the road that lead them off track or present them with a total dead end. We want to make sure our product descriptions, if you're a TPT seller, or if you sell a course that uh, this would be your email sequences, give them very clear next steps. If you liked this, then you will do this, right? They need to have options. So let's say that the product that they're looking at is not for them for whatever reason. Then what do they do next? We don't want to present them with a dead end here. If it's too expensive or it's too overwhelming, they need an option that is less expensive or more simple. If that product is not enough, it's not as complex as they need, then they may need an option that is more in-depth or offers more support. 
And the thing is that because oftentimes we are building out these funnels on our own, it becomes hard to see this from a customer's perspective. So it's a good idea to have a friend go through some of your funnels as potential customers and give you feedback. What was the journey like for them? Could they easily find multiple options in the things that they were looking for? Was the journey clear? Were there any dead ends? This is a great time to make adjustments and tweaks to those funnels. If you're in the Teacher Hustle University membership, we focus on funnels inside the membership. That is our main focus. So this would be the perfect place to drop your funnel and have us go through and give you some feedback on what's working and how are those upsells and downsells looking? Do your people have clear options? The third step in our cleanup is to make sure that your shop, your services page, etc. is optimized for search. So remember that all search bars work in a similar way, whether that's Google or YouTube or Teachers Pay Teachers or Etsy. All search bars work in pretty much the same way. Obviously, Google's is just a little bit more advanced, um, a lot more advanced. But in its most basic form, a search bar crawls your descriptions, your titles, your words to try to decide if your product is relevant to what the customer is searching for. And keywords are a major part of this. And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you already know that keywords are important. You're like, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it all before. You're a savvy business owner. You've already got this. Keywords. We get it. Keywords. But what I want you to do here at the end of 2021 is to make sure that the keywords you are targeting are actually getting you the search results that you want. Sometimes we set our keywords, we set our titles, we set our descriptions, and then we forget it. And this is not set it and forget it. This is set it and hey, you spent so much time setting it that you better go back and check and make sure it's working. (laughs) So set aside some time, especially if you're utilizing a marketplace like TPT, to make sure that your keywords are actually landing you where you want to end up in the search. That means actually go in and and search for your targeted keyword and see where you land in the results. If you're on page 32, nobody's going to find you. Tell me the last time you went on TPT and clicked all the way through to like the 30th page. You You didn't. So if that is the result that you're getting, then it's time to tweak your keywords and play around with them until you get... uh closer to the start of the search for the targeted keyword you're working on. Okay, the fourth step in your cleanup is to think about the ways in which you can utilize the customer relationships you've made in the past year to make more sales in the new year. Sure, it's important to bring in new audiences, to have new audiences looking at our content that we're putting online and new audiences looking at our products. That's great. We want new people looking at our stuff. But it's even more important to be sure that the people who have already chosen to learn from us or buy from us, people who have already made the choice to purchase from us feel served. So spend some time before the new year making sure that the customers you already have feel supported, whatever that looks like. That will always, always, always pay off in way more ways than one. 
If you are loving this podcast episode, you'll be so excited to hear about the brand new secret podcast, The Crew. The Crew releases episodes on the weeks the Teacher Hustle podcast doesn't, and it's full of insider advice, behind the scenes looks, and guest experts just for the teachers in my Teacher Hustle University membership. If you want to add this exclusive podcast to your podcast player, come join us inside Teacher Hustle University. Head to alyssamcdonald.com slash masterclass to get your special invitation to join right now. All right, it's time for the listener question and answer. What is affiliate marketing, someone asked. What's the best way to go about getting started and having success? Great topic. I love talking about this. So affiliate marketing is a great way to add to your income streams as a business owner. You're probably already doing this. You're probably already recommending products and services you love to your friends and family. And now that you are working on your marketing, you have an even bigger audience to share with than just your friends and family. When you sign up to become an affiliate with a company, typically They compensate you a percentage of the sale when someone uses your unique link to make a purchase. For example, I am an affiliate for Kajabi. So if you go to alyssamcdonald.com slash Kajabi and you purchase it because you heard about it on my podcast, Kajabi will pay me a portion of that sale because I did the marketing for them. Now, the energy you put into doing this affiliate marketing for the companies you work with will directly impact your revenue. You're essentially, like I said, doing the marketing for this company. So the more effort you put in and the more your marketing works, the better the payoff will be. My best advice on getting started is to start with just a few companies. Don't overdo it. Start with a few companies you already use and love. So I use my full focus planner literally every single day. And so I went on their website and scrolled all the way to the bottom to see if they had an affiliate program. And sure enough, they did. If you don't see a button at the bottom of your company's website, the company that you love and want to promote that says affiliate program sign up here, you can still contact them and say, do you have an affiliate program? I would love to share this with my audience uh, and I'd love to be, you know, not I'd love to be, but I need to be compensated for that. Don't do not do this, by the way, just for free stuff. You are um, investing money in your marketing, in learning about your marketing, and in um, the software that you're using for your marketing. So you deserve to be compensated. By the way, that's just a little side note. Now, to be successful with affiliate marketing, that has to do with how well your own marketing strategy is going. So the more your audience trusts you and the more genuine your recommendation is, the better you'll do. It's all about being intentional. Let's say you're going to make 20% of the sales of that product as an affiliate. Set a sales goal for yourself. How many products do I need to sell at this price to hit my goal? And how will I make sure that I hit my number every month? So instead of just randomly posting your affiliate link on your bio in Instagram or randomly mentioning it on your Instagram stories every once in a while, put intention behind it. Add it to your launch calendar. Send an email. Talk about it for a week straight. Set up a highlight reel on Instagram. Write a blog post. Whatever you need to do to hit your goals. One of the biggest mistakes is that business owners underestimate the power of affiliate sales. Sometimes we feel like 
if we want to have a successful business and we want to solve the problems of our ideal audience, we need to invent every solution to every problem they have. But we can solve their problems and be paid to do it without having to invent the solution. Could I have made my own digital planner for teacher business owners and tried to sell that? Yes, but that's not really a strength of mine. And the full focus planner is way better than anything I could have made anyway. So I would rather focus my energy on recommending the product that I already use and love to my audience and making money from marketing that than coming up with my own product and marketing that. If you're inspired by this, you can go off and sign up for your first affiliate right now. Go sign up and start selling it today. It's a really easy income stream to add to your revenue. It's that time of the podcast episode where we interview a member of Teacher Hustle University, the membership, and we ask them how it's going with their business. Today, I'm interviewing Brittany Prince. Brittany, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and your business. Hey, my name is Brittany Prince. I am a 7th and 8th grade special education teacher. I own my own business, Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul, where I empower teachers to prioritize their self-care through handcrafted products, digital resources, and sustainable strategies so that they can reduce overwhelm, stress, and overall teacher burnout. Brittany, talk to me about all the self-care things. I need all of it. Tell us why you started your business. After the pandemic teaching of 2020 to 2021, I had 13 teacher friends leave the profession due to compassion fatigue and overwhelm and stress. And I had once felt those exact same feelings as a new single mom. I had already started a business creating handcrafted products because where I found myself again was in the bathtub. I had found a way to prioritize myself and take me time and come up with creative ideas, which was a more individualized aspect. What I learned from that was that self-care is not a one-size-fits-all, and it is so very important that teachers everywhere have access to various ways and sustainable strategies to take care of themselves for their mental health so that they're making a bigger impact on their students, but also to reduce the number of amazing teachers that are leaving the profession. That is really important work. And I love that you said self-care is individual because it truly is. It depends what works for you. And for you, it was the creative time of taking a bath. That is all the rage right now. Taking a shower or taking a bath is where the best ideas come to life. All right, Brittany, tell us what has been the biggest struggle as you started your business? I think one of the hardest things for me as a business owner, especially in my field of self-care, was something we call imposter syndrome. And that is where you're providing valuable information, especially about mental health and things of that nature, um, but still having to battle the same demons and still having to be 
you know, still struggling with some of the things that you're talking about. And so how I overcame that was just being vulnerable with my audience, having them recognize that I am a human being and I'm not perfect. Um, So sharing with them my struggles and allowing them to recognize that even when you've created a sustainable self-care plan, you may need to tweak things and that's okay. Um, but I think that was the hardest for me. You pushed past it. You pushed past that imposter syndrome. You got vulnerable with your audience. That's what real leaders do. Now, what opportunities have come as a result of putting yourself out there in this way? I think the main opportunity that any business owner you know, wants to have is supplemental income. And that supplemental income for me, doing something that I love and I'm passionate about and, you know, researching anyways, I was able to open doors for my children that I would not have been able to otherwise. Um, That financial abundance has allowed me to provide them with a better life and not miss any time with them, which is super important to me. Another amazing opportunity um, that I've had within my business is being able to present this information to across the world um, in professional development meetings where I wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise. Um, it's been an amazing journey, and I am so very thankful that I took a chance on myself. Tell us, why did you join Teacher Hustle University, and what do you like about the membership? Okay, I promise that this is not biased in any way, and I'm being completely honest. Joining Teacher Hustle University and investing in my business in that way allowed me to learn so much about marketing that I never would have known otherwise. I knew that the information that I had and the products that I had were valuable, but I didn't know how to market them. And so joining Teacher Hustle University and learning from you, Alyssa, was such a big step for me because each of the stacks that are within THU were super digestible. Um, I could do them at my leisure and, you know, plan it out so that I was focused on the marketing aspect and investing in myself and my business. And I really can't think it enough. One of the coolest parts about the community is that it's a diverse group of people in that we all teach different subjects and we all have different business goals. We're from different cultures, different communities. We're across the world, yet we're all the same because we are teacher business owners. We're goal-oriented, and we don't see each other as competition. What's really cool is being able to bounce ideas off other members of the community and, you know, asking for help with this, or, you know, can you audit this for me? Or what do you think about this? What ideas do you have for this? And the community is always willing to jump in and help each other out. And that is such an amazing thing. Being able to see other teacher business owners reach the heights, that is also super inspiring. And just the whole idea of the community in general is fabulous. All right. If the listeners want to connect with you, which I know they will after hearing all of that, what's the best way for them to connect with you? 
I absolutely love connecting with other teachers and teacher business owners and hyping them up. So you can find me on TikTok at Miss Princess Teach, MS Princess Teach, or on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul. Thank you, Brittany. And as always, the last question is for you to ask to me. So what do you have to ask me for today's episode? So Alyssa, my question for you, I know that you're obsessed with fries. And so I want to know, do you dip your fries and Wendy's Frosties or not? Oh my gosh, I love this question. Okay. I have tried dipping Wendy's fries in a Frosty. I, I'm not really a food mixer. So after you listen to this episode, you've got to go over to my Instagram and tell me, are you a mixer of food or not? I, when I order fast food, actually, my sister and I had a debate about this the other day. When I order fast food, I eat one part of my fast food meal at a time. So like if I ordered McDonald's, I would have the fries first, all of them, and then the burger or the nuggets or whatever, all of it. I do it in order. I don't like have some fries and then part of my burger and then back to the fries. I don't. I'm curious if that's just me. And apparently it's also my sister and my dad. They do the same thing. Or is that everyone? A. But I think that has part of the reason to do with why I don't like dipping my fries in my Frosty. B. (laughs) Exhibit B. um, Because I just don't really like to mix food. Okay. Is that weird? I guess it's weird. I like to dip my fries in aioli. I'll dip fries in ketchup, um, maybe mayonnaise. That's about all. I think somebody on Instagram once mentioned that they dip their fries in barbecue sauce. I don't know how I feel about all of that. And my official review on the new Wendy's fries, not that you asked, but I feel I should tell everyone, they're not as good as the old ones. They are less salty, thank goodness, but not as good as the old ones. Great question. Thank you for asking that one, Brittany. And thank you to all the listeners for always listening to me talk about fries. Go on Instagram and let me know if I'm alone on that fast food thing, will you? Your challenge after this episode is to do your reflection journaling, clean out your shop or your webpage, and sign up to be an affiliate for one of your favorite companies. Remember, to have a successful business doesn't mean you need to do all the things. You will be faced with a ton of decisions for your business in the new year. Programs to buy, mentors to follow, new things to add to your to-do list. But only you know what your business needs to get to the next level. You know your business best. Cut out the things that aren't serving you and growing your business. Give yourself the space to actually listen to one or two mentors in the new year. Decide on one or two topics to learn about instead of feeling the pressure to throw a whole lot more on your plate. For every new goal you're going to set in the new year, take something else away. 